ask that you turn to Ephesians chapter 3, page 1171 in your pew Bible. And if you like, turn also, keep a mark in page 1211, 1 Peter chapter 1 as well. As later on we'll be reading from there. Well, Ephesians has enriched me immeasurably. One of the things that Ephesians have done for me is give me a greater understanding of my great salvation. To the extent that the Lord went, my riches, my prosperity in Jesus Christ is the same as yours. If you're sealed with the Spirit of God, then you have a prosperity that we see in chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. And that also is immovable. We will inherit everything in the age to come. But one of the significant things that Ephesians has showed me is the importance of the church. I have a greater appreciation for God's church, His body of Christ here on earth. So that being said, last time we looked at the mystery revealed. The mystery of this church. We looked at verses 1 to 6. Today we will cover verses 7 to 13, kind of like a part two of the mystery revealed. But the title of today's message is The Mystery Made Known. Let's read our text. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 13. Hear the word of God. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which other generations was not made known to the sons of man, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Verse 7, of which I was made a minister, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints... This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. Now, brethren, you might have heard the phrase that God works in mysterious ways. And very often he does. If you live long enough, you will see that. If you read the scriptures long enough, you will see that as well. But it's a very reasonable statement considering that this eternal infinite God 
has ways that are higher than our ways. He has thoughts that are higher than our thoughts. I am amazed personally that God has condescended and given us revelation that we can understand of His intentions and His plans for humanity. Now, this God who authored this story before the foundation of the world certainly has His own plans and perspective. But this story, like many other stories, has some strange twists and turns. A story with some least likely scenarios as we looked at in some least likely characters. And God uses these characters to fulfill His purposes. Now, Paul speaks in the New Testament of different sorts of mysteries. And in general, a mystery can be something unknown, but We looked at last time, the mystery here in our text is mysterion. And that refers to something that God has revealed. It's only known now because God has revealed it. This mystery was hidden from other generations, but now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets and the apostle Paul in our text. It was revealed at God's appointed time through God's appointed Vessels. Now, this is a form of revelation, if you remember, that is a progressive revelation. That God is not disclosing all the plans at one time. As history unfolds, I think we can think of God's story in terms of a play, for our own understanding. Now, if you've ever gone to a play, there's typically two acts, and in between the two acts there's an intermission. I think of it as the first act is in the Old Testament and the curtain opens and it's a little dark. We see some types and shadows and not everything is fully revealed to us and not everything is made known as far as the end of the story. How things would come to pass, we're clued in but it's not totally clear. Now after Act 1, the Old Testament, there's an intermission. And the intermission lasts for about 400, for 400 years. Could easily have gone to the snack bar and back a couple of times. But as the curtain opens in Act 2, we see the new covenant, the New Testament emerging. And suddenly what was hidden, suddenly what was mysterious is now being made known. The mystery has been revealed. And what is the mystery that Paul is speaking about in this text? We see it in verse 6 specifically, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery of God's plan to unite nations into this organization called the church has now been revealed. The mystery revealed is the church. Now there are other components to this mystery. The Christ, the gospel. That was all types and shadows as well. But the Christian church now, as Ephesians teaches us, is designed and sustained by God. The church is the corporate gathering of the elect. We see that in Ephesians 1.4. We see that the church is the body of Christ on earth. 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 23. We see that Paul uses the metaphors for a building. The household of God. We've all been adopted into a family of God that lives in this house. Chapter 2 verse 19. And we see that this household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Now the church is the new temple. But the church is still under construction. It's not yet final. Every day, living stones, new people are added. And it will be finished when Jesus Christ comes back to consummate the kingdom. Praise the Lord. But the mystery is now revealed, and the mystery now is the mission. For Paul, in our text, and by implication, for the church. Because the mystery now has tremendous implications for the world. And that's what we're going to see today for the cosmic beings, for the spiritual realities, the supernatural realm. These objects. So today's title is Making the Mystery Known. I'm going to give you three headings if you're taking notes. Verses 7 and 8, the grace given to make the mystery known. Verses 8, the latter part of 8 to 11, the objectives for making the mystery known. There's three. And verses 12 and 13, the benefits and hardships that come with making the mystery known. We go to verse 7, the grace given. Now, Paul, speaking of the gospel, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. Paul was given revelation on the Damascus Road in Acts 9, and now a least likely character emerges in God's story. God would cast Saul now to play the part of Paul in the New Covenant. God had chosen Paul to give him insight into this mystery for many others as well. The messenger now finds himself under house arrest for this calling. Paul was the messenger of the mystery. Now we look at Paul the minister. Okay, so in verse 7, I was made a minister according to the gift. The gift of God's grace. Grace, the unmerited favor of God. The grace was given to me according to the working of his power. Now, Paul is saved on the Damascus road. Paul is called to the ministry on the Damascus road. And a call to salvation inevitably means a call to serve. And the empowerment to do so comes by grace. Grace is is required. We are saved by grace. We are sustained by grace. We are being made into the image of Christ by grace. And we serve God in His grace. And Paul was given an entrusted revelation to the wisdom and truth of God, which was hidden from ages ago. Paul did not come to this knowledge on his own. And Paul was a schooled Pharisee in Judaism. Yet he did not come to this knowledge. He did not come to the mission on his own. He did not volunteer for this as well. He did not fit the typecast, may I add, for this story. And the truth is that many of us also, looking back, did not fit the typecast as well. Many of us did not come to this truth of Christ and the gospel 
on our own. Just as Paul was given special revelation into the mystery of the insight, so are we. Praise God. And we did not volunteer for this as well. Now only those who have insight into the mystery of God are only those who can make the mystery known. We too have a part to play in God's redemption story. The God's story could easily be titled For His Glory, but the, the, the theme throughout is the redemption of man. It's one of the themes. And the call to salvation, call to serve, is done by the enablement of God's grace. Supernatural enablement and supernatural power. So, as we are called by His grace, we serve and enabled by grace. And Paul would speak about a stewardship in chapter 2 that he received. Indeed, you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. He was given oversight, a management of this grace and this calling. So Paul received the two aspects, the call from God and the empowerment and enablement to fulfill the call. And might I add, we receive that as well. Because supernatural work requires supernatural power. In verse 8 we see that God will use, as Paul's own words here, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given. Many of us may consider ourselves to be the very least of all the saints too. Least of all. But Paul certainly can make that statement with some conviction. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though... I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. I acted ignorantly. A least likely man to be put into service. And certainly if you look back in Paul's life, you see the self-proclaimed chief of sinners is now the messenger and the minister of God's revelation. You know, I think of this time of year. There's many graduations going on. I got a couple of emails about school graduations and Many high school yearbooks, there's an old tradition. They have most likely and least likely. They have most likely to become rich. Most likely to be a doctor. Least likely to become famous. And things of that nature. And many times they do recaps of the yearbooks if you've ever gone to a high school graduation. Weren't you voted least likely? And now you're doing this? Very, very interesting. I think of Paul. Hypothetically speaking, at his pharisaical reunion. Hey, Saul, how's it going? One of the students would tell him. Oh, what have you been up to? Well, uh, I, I had an encounter with uh, Yeshua on a Damascus road. And uh, yeah, I, I, I now have a ministry uh, for the church. And the student was, wait a minute, hold on, Paul. You're kidding me here. Uh, and by the way, you... you Paul, you said? Yeah, I was. so you can call me Paul. That's my, wait a minute, you're Paul. Hold on a second. You're telling me, wait a minute, that you now are following that Galilean carpenter and you are propagating the message? Saul, oh, I'm sorry, Paul, 
Weren't you the guy that was dragging people off to prison, making havoc for the church? Dragging men and women off. And Paul's response could have been, yes, I was. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. And I, I was the chief of all sinners. But I think Paul would have said, but Christ met me. Christ came for me. Christ gave me mercy. Christ gave me direction. He was merciful to me. He opened my eyes. He gave me a new name. He gave me a new heart. He gave me a new purpose. I'm a new man. And many of you are. New men and women. And many could say the same thing that you may look back and say, you were least likely to follow the Bible. You were least likely to be right here today. But God cast you into His story. Praise the Lord. And I encountered many people like that very early on in my Christian life. There were many people who did not fit my perception. These will be least likely people to serve God. But I saw one thing in a lot of these people, God's grace. God's grace was upon them and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit was unquestionable. And God does choose least likely people. I think of a least likely candidate. I was reminded of Gideon in Judges. Certainly not known for his strength, certainly not known for his wisdom, his confidence as any sort of military captain or general. Gideon wanted to bring an army as the Lord commissioned him to fight a battle for Israel against Midianites. He wanted to bring 32,000 men. And Yahweh would say, I'm paraphrasing, that's too many. I'm going to give you 300. And why did God do this? Because the Lord wanted to have the glory. If there were 32,000 troops, Israel might have said, we did it. But God wanted Gideon to rely on him. God wanted to use Gideon for his own glory. And I'm reminded God's power is made perfect, sometimes in weakness. Now, Many of us here would not be a former persecutor, a violent aggressor, but maybe we were a blasphemer. Think back as to what you were and think now to what you are in Christ. And making the mystery known is now our mission. It's the mission. As Paul's objective is now our objective, and it leads us to our second point. Verses 8b to 11. Three objectives Paul gives us in making the mission known. They were for him at the time, by implication for us. We go to the latter part of verse 8. To preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Nothing new here. Paul has spoken about the Gentiles exclusively in chapter 2, and he's making the case once again for the redemption of the Gentile. Now this word, preach, to preach to the Gentiles, where we get our word evangelize, it's to announce good news. What are these unfathomable riches? Well, you can go on and on, but I think Paul is speaking about chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, 
the prosperity that we now have in Jesus Christ. What's so unfathomable about these riches if you were a Gentile? Because all, particularly the Gentiles, go from spiritual rags to riches. They were formerly destitute spiritually. Now they're prosperous. Spiritually prosperous. No longer strangers to the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers to the covenants and promises of God. No. They were once without Christ. Without God. Without hope. No longer. Now they are called to serve and to make known the source, as we are, of this prosperity and how one attains these unfathomable riches. The second objective we see here is in verse 9. And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. What is the administration of the mystery? I'm going to read it to you from the ESV. Consider this. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Remember, something previously hidden in the old is now revealed in the new. A quote by a man by the name of B.B. Warfield. And he says, The Old Testament was like a room, fully furnished, but dimly lit. And we established last time that the Christ was not fully hidden in the Old Testament. The gospel was not fully hidden in the Old Testament. And the plan of redemption for the nations, meaning the church, was not fully hidden as well. Last now that you turn, we get some very good insight from the Apostle Peter. To 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. It's page 11, 12, 11 in your pew Bible. And I want to consider Peter's insight to the mystery now made known. Just follow along with me to see this for yourself. First Peter chapter 1 verses 10 to 12. At this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and, and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. See, the mystery, as we established, was always part of God's redemptive plan. But it was hidden. There would be a Messiah. Who would this Messiah be? When would he come? Who would he come for? Why would he come? Even the disciples and the Gospels were not fully revealed. Fully understanding of that took post-Pentecost for them to fully get it. But the Christ, as prophesied, come. And now Israel's Messiah is the world's Messiah. Praise the Lord. Christ was crucified and resurrected, as prophesied. And a new humanity would make up the church forming one people of God. I kind of think of it as if the Old Testament was pregnant with the mystery and the truth. 
But now the New Testament, it's given birth. And we see it. What was, not, what was once hidden was brought to light now. The light switch was put on. And Paul has the responsibility and the stewardship of making this known clearly to all. We see in verse 8 to the Gentile. We see in verse 9 to everyone. We also have to share in this mission. That was hidden in God who created all things. God is the designer of this redemption story again. And the third objective we're going to see is a little surprising. The first two we've kind of seen already. But this is something a little surprising. We see in verse 10. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Verse 11, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the manifold wisdom of God? Well, it's a multifaceted, all-encompassing, all-knowing wisdom. That's revealed to humanity slowly over time. It's an eternal wisdom founded before the foundations of the world. 1 Corinthians 2.7. It was hidden. And it's eternal in the sense that it's a wisdom that we could easily see in verse 11 of chapter 1. How God can do all things, ordain all things according to the counsel of his will. It's that kind of wisdom. Now it's made known to us, the true church in Jesus Christ, this wisdom. And the church is very important to the Lord. It's his bride we're going to see. It's his gift. The Father gives the Son a gift. But the church is very important for a couple of reasons. The church will manifest itself in behavior. The church will manifest itself in the proclamation of the mystery revealed, the message, the gospel, in both word and in deed. The living embodiment, the temple of God, a multicultural, unified organization, God's church, that will remain unified until kingdom come. A great witness to the unbelieving world. But in verse 10, Paul will once again disclose not just the earth here, our function, but another realm. An unseen realm. The metaphysical world that does exist is referred to as the heavenly places. Now, we've already been acclimated to this. In chapter 1, verse 3, it's where our spiritual blessings are. In the heavenly places in Christ. At conversion, when we were raised from spiritual death, we were seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Verse 20 of chapter 1. And it's now where we positionally are. Chapter 2, verse 6. We are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And now we now contend with other spiritual entities because of this newfound status. And contending with other spiritual entities Entities like principalities and powers is inevitable. But may I add something? What well, the text teaches us today that they have to contend with us. They have to contend with God's spirit filled people on the earth. 
The church, through preaching the gospel, proclaims the manifold wisdom of God. And it shows forth the church, the Lord's glory and His wisdom. In the unified temple that we have now with all nations, Jew and Gentile. And it's also another reminder to the principalities and powers in Satan that his defeat is imminent. His defeat is soon. Evil powers are reminded that God is uniting all things in Christ as we saw in Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. And the enemy sees that his power is reduced as well because look around you. You were all once under the sway of this world, under the, the flesh, the world, and Satan. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love for you, by grace you have been saved. And you have been raised to spiritual life. And you are free. You are now under the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ and no one else. But we see this unseen heavenly realm is not all about demonic forces. Could be also there's angels in this realm. And angels are very helpful and often neglected doctrine in the New Testament. A quote from Charles Hodge regarding redemption and the mystery. The Bible clearly teaches that not only that angels take a deep interest in the work of redemption, but that their knowledge and blessedness are increased by the exhibition of the glory of God in the salvation of men. They even rejoice when it happens. So the manifold wisdom of God is now being made through the church on the earth and in the heavenly realms. Surprising. Verse 11, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus. Now God's redemption story is progressing and remember it was written in eternity past. It is not subject to change. The script is final. And we see that things are now working out progressively on this side of eternity. But we see carried out in Christ our Lord, the eternal purpose. 1 Peter 1.20 speaks about the Christ being foreknown before the foundation of the world and has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Christ, the plan, the mission, was always part of the script. Leads us to our third point. The benefits and hardships in making the mystery known. Verse 12 in whom we have boldness and confident access to Him in faith. For those who have been given revelation to this insight, for those who now know the mystery, we have access and we come to Christ by His eternal work. It was Christ who broke down the middle wall, the barrier, abolishing in His flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances. And now we have confidence and boldness that we can enter in from the priestly office of Christ, from the work of redemption in Christ. Brethren, we do not enter in because we had a good week. We do not enter in because we read the Bible every day. We enter in and have confidence and boldness and access because of the priestly work of Christ. And we see this a lot in Hebrews. You can look for yourself. 4.16, chapter 
10, verses 19 and 20. We have full access so we can come before God in prayer. We can come before God and commune with God. We can come before God in scriptures. We can come before God when we're together in our daily disciplines and scripture reading. Now certainly sin may cause us to break fellowship with God. It can dull us for, use that term, but we do have access based on finished work, not on performance. The priestly work of Christ is finished. Now, that is one of the benefits. And all the benefits that we've also seen in chapters 1 to 3 thus far, how far we've gone. But the reality is there are not only benefits now that we are recipients of the mystery and benefits in making it known, there are also maybe hardships. Let's consider that Paul is under house arrest. Was Paul in the wrong place at the wrong time? Did Paul mess up and get put in jail? Paul couldn't even been more value to the Lord not in the prison? No, the Bible tells us that the in Philippians 1.11 that it was advancing. Paul's house arrest advanced the cause. It advanced the gospel. He would explain that it's in fact a good thing for you Gentiles that I'm here. See, Paul understood the big picture. He understood his role. He understood God's plan for redemption. And he would ask them in verse 13, read the Ephesians, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. God will again use this imprisonment for the advancement of the gospel and for the benefit of the Gentile. God had a plan throughout eternity. Now it's revealed. Paul would have said in his own words, don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it for you. It's worth it for the world. And Paul could even maybe say that I will have rewards in the Bema Seat judgment for my faithfulness to Christ. That's another possibility. This is the most important message. And the mystery is now the message. And it needs to be proclaimed. In conclusion, God's plan to unite the world through the church has now been revealed. And as Paul has been commissioned, again I say, we've been commissioned. How will the church manifest this manifold wisdom of God? How will the church make the mystery known? We'll make it known in certainly deed. We'll make it known as we're going to see in Ephesians chapter 4 on how to conduct ourselves as the body of Christ. We'll make it known in our unity. We'll make it known for our love for one another. But we'll also make it known verbalizing in the proclamation of this good news. How great is the gospel? How great is the Christ of the gospel? How great is the plan of redemption? To what extent would we make this known? 
Understand that Paul's a prisoner under house arrest. We now have freedom to shout this. Praise God, and we ought to. But the question needs to be asked again. To what extent would you, would I, make this mystery known? Now, at this point in time, things are changing in the world. What was always hostile to the gospel, to the Christ of the gospel, to the people of the gospel, is now slowly becoming hostile in our land as well. I have to ask the question, and we may never get to this point, but I think it needs to be asked, would we go to prison for it? Would it be house arrest? Would it be something different? Because the reality is still many don't have knowledge of this mystery. And the mystery revealed is for us, the church. We see so much about the church in Ephesians. Oh, we see it in the Gospels that we are now the light of the world. That all good works should shine among men so they may see them and God would be glorified. We are the salt of the earth. And one of the functions is that functions for us is to slow down the corruption. I believe. Certainly, the manifold wisdom of God needs to be seen through the church to the spiritual entities and to the earthly entities as well. The mystery must be made known. The message needs to be heard. And I close with Romans 10, 14, and 15. And after I close, I'll pray and we'll have our benediction. The mystery needs to be made known. Paul writes, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Proclaim the mystery revealed. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the insight that you have given us, Lord, that this plan from eternity past is now made known. Thank you, Lord, for revealing to us through your word, through your people who now have your spirit, your thoughts, your intentions, your plans for us. And indeed, your ways are higher than our ways. And indeed, your thoughts are higher than ours. But Father, you've revealed to us what we need to know. And Father, we know as well that the world needs to know this. And Father, we ask for your empowering grace. We ask for the power of your Spirit to embolden us in the proclamation of this message. In Jesus' name, amen.